0: Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Summary. We hope you are really blessed by hearing it. Hello. 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 (laughs) I heard Willow the loudest. Hello. So, today we're talking about Ezekiel 37. Because I love Ezekiel 37. And it's been speaking to me really powerfully this week. So when Ron gave me permission to speak on whatever I felt led by God to speak on, which is really brave as a vicar and a husband, um, this is what came to my mind. It was this verse, um, Ezekiel 37.10. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And when I thought of that verse, my heart started to beat really fast. So I thought, right, this is significant. But I thought I'd start with Who is Ezekiel? Because Ezekiel was a man who chose to obey God. He was a prophet, um, and although he was a priest, he served as a Jewish street preacher in Babylon for 22 years. I mean, let's just listen to that word alone. He was a street preacher. It's hard enough to be one of them, but in Babylon? Can you imagine? What a calling. Nice. Thanks, God. Can you imagine if God asked you to do that at Sunbury Cross outside Subway? Would we have the boldness of Ezekiel be more like Mrs. Overall? I've been trying to wedge her into a sermon since I got here. All of you that are under, I don't know, 40, have no idea who I'm talking about. Remember, one shoop, was Acorn Antiques, no? Right, okay. I tried to find like a relevant, try and wedge in a relevant video as well, couldn't. Funnily enough, they didn't mention God in Acorn Antiques. But would we have her boldness, which is none at all, or would we have his? Because he was bold, he was faithful, and had a complete desire to trust, listen, and serve God. And subsequently, that made him bold. He lived what he preached. And God gave him some proper, weird things to do. So if you haven't read Ezekiel, go and read it. It's such a joy. It'll make your life feel a lot better. This poor bloke had to lie on his side for 390 days. I mean, how how that you know moves the kingdom of god forward i don't know he then saw how it moves the kingdom of god forward but 390 days to lie on his side and the other thing god asked him to do at the same time was only eat an eight ounce meal even slimming world lets you have a bit more than eight ounces i think am i right jess yeah i don't like slimming world what slimming world doesn't make you do is cook your food over dung Which is what he had to do. God did allow him to not have human poo and to have horse poo um, or cattle poo. The second thing he had to do was shave his head and his beard. He had to show no sorrow when his wife died, but he did it. He did it because he obeyed God and he faithfully proclaimed God's word. And God might not ask us to do anything quite so dramatic. Or difficult but if he did would you do it yeah. would we do it so I'm going to read Ezekiel 37 so get your bibles out or your phones with the apps on and we're going to turn to Ezekiel 37 verse 1 to 10 if you want an actual bible and haven't got one just wave your hand and the hosting team will bring you a bible so it's Ezekiel 37 1 to 10 it's entitled valley of the dry bones and it says the Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. And I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies and still they had no breath. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. I need Serena's stick. Boom! That's what I need, your stick. I I forgot where I put it, because I don't have the gift of administration, but boom! They stood up on their feet, a great army. Can you imagine that? And before we do, I think it's important to go back a step and realize Ezekiel 37 illustrates the promise of chapter 36. New life, a nation restored both physically and spiritually. The message that God actually gives is that he will restore his nation despite their hideous behavior so that his name will be glorified. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 28 says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will, you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. That's quite direct. But what a beautiful promise. Direct it may be, but beautiful it still is. And chapter 37 is showing Ezekiel a visual representation of that. Can you imagine being Ezekiel in that moment? He's been swept up by the Spirit of the Lord, that's what it says, to a valley filled with old dry bones. In Ezekiel 3, I find it hilarious that Ezekiel was also swept up in a spirit of the Lord and it says, he says, he went, I can't even read my own writing now, but he basically went moaning, he went moaning, he didn't do it with grace, you can imagine, oh this is really inconvenient, I'm being swept up by the power of the Lord, that wasn't my plan for today, and it actually says it in the Bible, he moaned, love it. So I drop that in there. But God says to him in Ezekiel 37, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Now, I imagine the scenario like this Ezekiel's going, Oh no. In his head, Why well, it's God, isn't it? So the answer's probably yes, but no. And hearing himself go, Yes, whilst in his head going, No. And so he did what we would all do in that situation. He gave a classic Christian answer. Something along the lines of, well, if it's your will, Lord, it'll happen more. And he must have been thinking, get in. That's the right answer then. So God's like, okay, I see what you're doing. Go on and speak that prophetic message then, Ezekiel. And you could just imagine him going, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord, please. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm gonna put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life and then you will know I'm the Lord. While standing there like this. So he does it because he's faithful. Would we do that? A voice just says, speak a word of the Lord. You'd be like "Ah." Do we really believe that God heals and restores and performs miracles? Really? When we pray, because it's bad enough when we pray for people, you know, and it's really funny because Jenny gave this exact word that I've written down in the prayers before the service, so that was rather exciting, um, but how often do we pray for people, and you get a sense, or you might get a word, or you might get a picture, and then you bottle out of giving it to them, because you go, oh, well, that's just weird, that's just me, I can't give them that, that can't possibly be God, through fear. Fear that we've got it wrong. Fear we might hurt the person. So we just don't give the word. Which is actually ridiculous if we think about it. Because how likely are you as a human to be able to guess that person's significant color or pain in their leg or... As a human, that happens all the time, doesn't it? You just walk up to people and guess what they're feeling by the way they're looking today. No. Of course, if God gives you a word... Give it out. The worst that can happen is you're wrong. God's words are encouraging and uplifting. If he says the person's about to die, maybe keep that to yourself. That might not be God. Unless you're Ezekiel. He had some, yeah, really interesting verses to give out. But what happened next when Ezekiel stepped out is awesome. It's awesome encouragement for us today. Because you see, the words are for here too. When we read the Bible, it's a living word of God. It's not just for then, it's for now. And the verse says, suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones and skin formed to cover their bodies, but still they had no breath in them. Can you imagine seeing that? the power of God in action right in front of you, just picture it now. Something you've been asked to speak out from God happens before your eyes. I find this verse, clearly nobody else does, but I find this verse really exhilarating because it's now. This is now. We can do this too if we're faithful and we obey like Ezekiel does. A pile of dry, dead bones grows new flesh in front of his eyes. I find that inspiring because it tells me now that God can do anything. There's nothing he can't do. Like that lovely verse in Matthew. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, all right, whatever. I think they said a combination of all things and everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything is possible. And I always imagine that when God then says to him, so he's seen that, and then God goes, speak a prophetic word to the winds. That Ezekiel's now going, oh, oh, pick me, pick me. I can do it now, me. Or is that just me? It's like a small child. But if you've just seen bones and flesh, you'd be going, me, me, I'll do it now. Okay, just me. But what happens after he, meet me, me, pick me, which I'm sorry, it's not in the Bible, but I believe it happened. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies and they all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. Hooray! That literally just oh, just fills me, brings me to my knees in awe of God's faithfulness and power. I speak these words over myself and my family when I'm struggling as a sign of trusting in his promise and words. Last week I had waited and waited and waited for a hospital appointment. I've been in pain for three months. And I went to the hospital appointment and the, the coldest man I've ever met in my life. It was horrible. I was sobbing and it was like I wasn't even there. And he just said, I can't treat you because you're leaving. And he refused to treat me. So he knew I was, but but not before. He threw words like biopsy at me and scary words and said, you're just going to have to find a doctor when you're in America. And I was like, and the trainee doctor who was with him was like this, She's like, I'm sobbing, and he's just behaving like I'm not. And I left there, and I was like, Lord, the prayers of the people who have been praying for me didn't work. And then I thought, how dare you? Yes, they did. God closed his ears for a reason. There's a reason. Maybe I'm meant to be treated there. I don't know what it is, Lord, but I'm speaking that verse over myself again. I'm speaking it over me. And I woke up the next morning with no pain. To the point where it's weird. To the point where I did this. Is it coming back? What if I do this? And I did that most of the day going, no, it's going to come back, it's going to come back, it's going to come back. And I thought, what are you doing? I don't know whether it's permanent or temporary, but the thing I do know is it was God. And that's what the Bible does for us when we speak Scripture over ourselves. The enemy flees. He can't fight because we're in a battle. We are in a battle. These dry bones represent our nation, and in some cases, our churches, and more worryingly, our hearts. Ezekiel felt he was speaking to the dead as he preached. He was preaching to the exiles, and they rarely responded, I have obviously never had that experience here at St. Saviour's. Preaching to the dead has never happened to me. No? All clearly alive, look at you, full of joy, responding well. Move on. These bows represented people's spiritually dead condition. And I wonder if any of us here are brave enough to admit that we feel like a dry bone spiritually, emotionally, physically. I know I did before I knew Jesus. And yes, sometimes it can happen when we know Jesus too. It can be caused by pain we're going through. It makes us feel further away from God. Maybe it's through a divorce. Maybe it's through um, our partner cheating on us again. Maybe it's financial worries. Maybe you have such crippling financial worries. You think, how can God be in this? Maybe it's health worries. Maybe you've never, ever not felt like a spiritually dry bone. And that's why he left us his word and his spirit to rely on. Because in those times when we feel bad and far away, they remind us of the truth. If I followed my feelings the other day, I would have gone into a very dark place of fear. But with God's word, I don't have to fear because I know the truth. And just as God promised to restore a nation, he can and will restore you if you let him. He will restore his church. We're in a battle though. We have to understand that we are in a battle. I'm going to tell you a really random story because it filled me with rage, which I really hope was righteous. There's a brand that I can't pronounce, but I'm reliably informed you pronounce it, not chick a but Chick-fil-A. And it's an American Christian fast food chain. And they opened their first ever shop here in Reading. And shortly after it was opened, they don't open on Sundays, They try to live out God's word, and they give millions of dollars away trying to grow his kingdom. So in America, they are huge, as big as McDonald's. And then they decided they'd come to Britain. And what did we do? Oh, we had a good old moan about it. So what happened? Reading Oracle decided they were not going to renew their lease because they want to be inclusive because Chick-fil-A believes that marriage is between a man and a woman. Okay. So by rejecting Christians, you're being inclusive, yeah? No. We are being told lies in the world that actually to be kind and compassionate means you have to agree with everybody else. I don't know about you, but if you're married, do you always agree with your husband or wife? No. If you say yes, you're lying. You know, our kids are in a different generation. Do we always agree with them? No. You can have a different opinion to someone else and still be compassionate and still show God's grace and still be loving. Shutting a place down because it's a Christian thing fills me to my boots with anger. I am ashamed to be British in that moment because that is not what love looks like. Rejecting one part of society in favour of another part of society. A shop is a shop. It should be open to all. It is welcoming to all. That is the spiritual battle we're in. The, The slow creep of telling you that if you dislike anything that is politically correct, then you are something phobic. You are not. We are called by Jesus to love everybody. Love our neighbour as ourselves. As far as I'm concerned, that means everybody. Not just people who look like me, sound like me, behave like me, make the same choices as me. That is not inclusivity. Do not speak over my faith and tell me what God says and what he doesn't. And I wrote to Reading, I felt so incensed and ranted, I wrote a really calm, unranty email and got the most ridiculous email back, which I can't bother to read because I'm not gonna waste my breath. You have bigger problems to worry about reading Oracle than me. Why was I telling you that story? Took myself into a full on rant then for Jesus. So as it's my last preach, I thought about what's the message I wanted to give Then I repented and thought, what is the message God wants me to give? (laughs) Because I started with the wrong question. I'm being honest, sharing with the group, so unlike me. And it was answered through Ezekiel 37.10. Because last week I went to a significant evangelism event. And in the morning of it, God reminded me of Ezekiel 37.10. And when I read that verse, I took a sharp, I I literally went like this. (gasps) that's for the bloke who's leading this event. But I couldn't find his number. I got all of a dither. So I thought, oh, I'll tell him when I get there. Forgot. So I sat through the first session and got to the tea break and just felt, God, are going to give him that message? Or, you know, are going to wait? So I was like, oh, okay. So I went and told him. And he started smiling. And he showed me his talk. Because he hadn't spoken then. It was, it was just... Um, it was just uh, the bishop up until that point they're freaking me out with their movement yeah i know yeah hurry up then <laughs> and his verse was ezekiel 37 verse 10 it said so i spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies and they all came to life and stood up on their feet a great army my mind was blown Because he believed it was a word for the church today. And I'd sat there myself going, why is this significant? I know it's for this man. And he's leading a movement of evangelists across the UK. And I was like, wow. So I'm bringing that word to our church family today before I go. I choose to speak this prophetic word over you and the surrounding area. Let Ezekiel 37 be a rally cry over your life. Let it encourage you that God can do anything. Allow God to breathe life back into the areas of your life that have become dry bones. Say no to lukewarmity. We all know if you've read the Bible, that does not end well. Read Revelation. Spitting out, and I'm pretty sure it's not like us spitting something out. Pretty sure it's going to be a bit more painful than just spitting it out. Pick up your Bible. Read it every single day asking God to reveal more and more and more to you. Pray for revival. Pray for each other. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you to bursting on fire for Jesus. Don't waste time arguing with each other, judging each other, comparing yourself to other people, or fighting for power and position. Remember, the least shall be the first. Learn what your gifts are. Remembering that you have been sent for a time such as this. And then don't just sit there, use them for His kingdom. Use them to grow His kingdom because people are waiting, hungry, dry and broken, to hear a gospel that no one's ever told them. Never. And they're unaware it will save their soul. They're in an unfair battle they don't know they're in. We are it. We're it. We are plan A, plan B, plan C. I have been watching with joy Kanye West's journey this week. He's changing his whole life around Jesus in thankfulness to having been saved. He's changing where he manufactures his goods. He's changing his music. He's changing his values. He's changing his parenting. He's changing how he behaves as a husband his whole life. He's not perfect yet either. He still says interesting things, but he readily admits he's a baby Christian. But he will tell anyone who will listen that he is now a Christian. And you know what Christians have done? They've slated him, they've judged him, they've said it's not real, he'll give up, it's all fake, it's a ploy. Why would we do that? why would we not celebrate a brother who has come to know who he is finally maybe God's done that because all of us are too silent so he needs to actually reach an influencer because you know millions of people have heard his testimony and heard the word of Jesus and last week the biggest google thing was who is Jesus because of him and there's a beautiful picture that picture is last week's Sunday service he did, and that was the altar call. That is people giving their life to Jesus who didn't know him before. Because Kanye West, for all his money and his fame, it didn't stop him getting a mental health issue. And he said, through his mental health issue, he found Jesus. We find Jesus in our pain. He doesn't leave us there on our own. That's where we find him. Ron heard a preacher saying that this morning, that good preachers aren't people who are shiny, who are, you know, because of how they hold their hands or how they do stuff. It's because they've been to the mountain, they've been to the valley, they've been and lived pain. And then they bring that pain. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood on their feet a great army. So I speak it now again and prophesy that God is already doing this around the world. And he will bring revival here at St. Saviour's and in your town too. God will breathe life into our communities. Do you want to be part of that? Do you want to be part of that? then fight, fight, fight using his word and his spirit. You don't have to do it on your own. Rise up in his strength and be who who he created you to be. Whether that's a prayer warrior, a game changer, an administrative genius, I need those salt and light, the feet that brings the gospel, a starter of new stuff, a maintainer of existing stuff, whatever your gift is, it's valuable. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, an army, this army, his army, the body of Christ will come to life. Stand on their feet like a mighty army, and lives will be radically transformed in the love and power of Jesus. Amen. For more information, please go to www.saintSaviorsSunbury.org.uk